with the stakes being more real and the game being more deadly than once imagined. What will happen? Who will survive? Join me in the continuation of our scintillating tale. Game over. in the entryway except this time it was laid out differently than before the left doorway was now a little bedroom with only seven beds in it this time the kitchen was now a pool with a large screened in porch and the stairs now only led to one door and next to it the poster I looked down at my watch. It was 9.50. Shit. We only have a minute, everybody. Find a place to hide now. Everyone ran in their separate directions. I ran to the room that was once the bedroom, and now a study, and hid underneath the desk. As soon as I was situated, however, I heard someone running up the stairs. It didn't hit me right away, until I heard the door open. Fuck. I swore to myself about how stupid they were being and possibly could have gotten someone killed. But before I could dwell on the thought any longer, I heard it again. The whispering. Only this time, it was different. Like, like there were two. Five. Four. I don't know why I did it, but I shouted as loud as I could so that everyone can hear me. Run! But it was too late. A second later, I could hear Dinah screaming, followed by a loud crack and a splash from the swimming pool. I sprinted out of the room to see everyone in the center of the entryway. A very large blood splatter mark followed by a trail of blood from the pool. We were all in the doorway when Felix walked out of the swimming pool crying with Dinah in his arms. He collapsed on the ground holding her. From what I could see, her whole face was caved in, which would explain the blood splat on the floor. Everyone else threw up, but I had already had my traumatizing visual. What, what do we do now? Jamal asked as he ran his hands through his hair. We have to keep moving. So whatever it is, it, 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 it can't catch us. We can't let it find us. I, I was there, Felix stammered. I, I saw them. They, they took her from me. 
her foot was poking out from under the bed and they grabbed her. Them? Who is them, Felix? I asked, putting my hand on her shoulder. It, it was Pat and another man. He finished shaking his hands in disbelief. Everyone grasped, including me. So that's what Sia meant by joining me, us. I looked down at my watch. It was 9.59. We had to get to the door and fast. Guys, we only have a minute. We need to get to the door, stat. I said to Felix, shaking his elbow. But he quickly shrugged me off. Felix, let's go. Jamal pleaded with him through the doorway. I can't go on without her. He smiled at us sadly. I love each and every one of you like family, but I must stay with her. Once everyone left the room, I gave him a sigh and a slight nudge on the shoulder. Catch you on the flip side, brother. I smiled weakly. No, you won't. And just as I exited the room and turned to face him one last time, he was gone. I placed my hand where the door used to be and prayed that whatever had just happened to him was fast and painless. I held in a sob and took a deep breath and turned to face the remaining four. Jamal was comforting Chrissy while Becca kneel was kneeling down next to Jade who was now sitting and hugging her legs rocking back and forth crying. I went to the setting on my phone to set a timer to go off every five minutes, one minute before it was supposed to be hiding and a minute before the door would disappear. Get away from me, Jade hissed at Becca. How can you say something like that? Nothing is going to be okay. Pat and Dinah are dead. Not to mention Felix just magically disappeared with her Screw you guys, screw this house, screw this game, and she was cut off by a second sounding of my phone beeping. What's that for? Jamal asked. I said it so we don't get caught off guard when it's time to hide. Looking at my phone, I noticed Jade we need to find some place to hide. Now. No, objected Jade. I told you guys, I'm done with this stupid game. I am not hiding. Jamal reached for her arm, but she instantly shrugged him off. We all started shouting at her, telling her she was being unreasonable. 
and that she needed to calm down. But she just cursed at us and began to make her way to the study. As she did so, however, I began hearing those whispers again. Do, do you guys hear that? I asked, hoping it was just me. The whispers, Becca pointed out. Yes, I do. Oh, good. Then it's not just me, Jamal chuckled before calling out to Jade. Jade, we don't have time for this. You need to hide. She stopped. Then, in the entryway of the study, we sighed in relief that she quickly came to her senses, but my relief was quickly replaced with horror once the counting had started. Pat? She whispered loudly. Is that you? Who's that with you? She turned around and began screaming once they started counting down to zero. She started running towards us, but she only made it halfway down the study before the, the four figures shot out from the study, grabbed Trade, and drug her by her ankles. We quickly sprinted down the hall to the study, only to find that she had been impaled on a night statue spear with hundreds of cuts covering her body. Fuck! I swore loudly and smashed my head on the desk, giving it a loud crack. I immensely regretted doing this, however. My hand began to throb from the pain, and I began to swell. Becca put her hand on my shoulder to comfort me. You can make it through this, J-Bear, she croaked. You've been through so much, too much to let this defeat you. I immediately calmed down, but I couldn't help for feeling for some reason something was off about Becca. She never used my nickname J-Bear, mostly because she knew I didn't like it when my mother coddled me and embarrassed me with it. Then again, it helped me to relax. We should get moving, Jamal suggested. We all nodded in agreement and made our way to the new door in the study. We all took a deep breath before opening the next door. We were now in a large ballroom. It kind of resembled something in a Stephen King's novel. You know, um, Red Rose. Except the mirrors and such were all replaced by five closed doors. And there were four large rows of tables with fancy clothes and silverware laid out. There were six doors now in total. But one was open and led to a large hallway located in the very back of the room. Damn. Why couldn't our prom have been here? Jamal joked. Oh, wait. There's this creepy supernatural entity killing us all off. If you ask me, 
that would have been a total buzzkill. And right then, on cue, the banner fell down on the center of the room, which read, New Rule. Doors would now disappear every two minutes. Have fun. You've got to be kidding me, Chrissy screamed in protest. I immediately added another alarm to my phone, and as I did so, the door behind us disappeared. We needed to get moving. I say we go through the open door before it disappears, Becca offered. There seemed to have been more doors to choose from this time. True, I agreed. But there is also less hiding spaces, which means we need to have to open another door in hopes of finding more, which could be risky. As soon as I finished that thought, my alarm went off. We all hugged each other and whispered to hide under the tables and crawled our way to the front. And if they could hear the countdown starting, to run for the open door. Once we were all under the tables, we slowly began to make our way to the far end of the room. Once I was halfway, I stopped as a foot came fairly close to where I was kneeling. I had to hold back from shouting Felix's name as I could recognize his favorite pair of shoes anywhere. Idiot even wore them to prom. I was three quarters of the way down when I heard a loud thud under one of the tables, followed by counting. Run! I shouted so that everyone could get out from under the tables and began sprinting to the door. I made it to the door first, turning around to see the other three right behind me and right behind them, looking exactly as they did when they died. Our other four friends and another older looking gentleman I couldn't recognize exactly. They were all sprinting and they were a lot faster than the living ones. I swore to myself once again as I thought quickly about what to do. I ran to the nearest door and got ready to open it as soon as everyone was through. Jamal and Becca made it first, but Chrissy slipped just before the doorway. Another five were closing in fast. Jamal quickly sprinted over to her, picked her up and threw her through the door. He then turned to sprint, but realized it was too late. Open the door, James, Jamal shouted. I don't whatever it is, I don't want them to have the satisfaction of catching me. Open the door now. I nodded quickly and started to open the door. And an instant later, the ballroom was gone. Jamal, Chrissy shouted, falling to the floor in Becca's arms, sobbing uncontrollably. Becca rocked back and forth for a minute and running her hands through her hair. Now what do we do? 
Becca asked, looking tearily in her eyes. We have no choice but to keep moving on, I sighed. As Becca and I made our way through the door, I held just opened. I heard another door open up from behind us. We both spun around to see Chrissy opening up random doors. What the hell are you doing? I seethed. She turned to face me with a scowl. I'm ending this nightmare. Maybe if it's just left me, I will win the game. And then I can get the hell out of this hole. Becca ran quickly to the stairs behind us and opened a bunch of doors. But nothing happened. Don't just stand there, she beckoned. We need to get rid of all of these doors. We need to get rid of her before she gets rid of us. I took her hand and began running through the random bedrooms, kitchens, and bathrooms. I stopped after the 12th door. Turned to see that the doors we had just opened had all gone. They disappeared. I sighed in relief and wrapped my arms around Becca, kissing her on her forehead. We had just barely caught our breath. My alarm started to go off once again. I clenched my jaw, knowing that no matter what happened, this would probably be the last time I would see Becca. Becca. I just wanted to let you know. She cut me off before I could finish saying anything more. And with a kiss. We should probably start running. She stated. Eyeing the only room in the door. You make sure you stay as close as you can to me. Alright? That way... None of us can get left behind. She nodded and kissed me on the cheek. Let's go, she stated as the whispers began to count down once more. I took her hand and we took off to the nearest doorway. Door after door, room after room, we went. But they kept coming, never stopping once, never letting up in their pursuit. I could hear Becca starting to get winded and we started to slowly jog. We can't keep this up, she uttered between breaths. As soon as she said that, I opened the next door and it was a dead end. We looked to be in the attic now with a large rounded glass window. I turned to see the others only seconds behind us. I turned to the glass to see that it was full of cracks and it seemed like it would break breezy easily. I turned to Becca. Do you trust me? I called to her. Yes. She shouted as she followed my gaze and I grabbed her, wrapping my arms around her head and waist leaping backwards through the window to break the fall. If I had remembered correctly, it would almost be three stories. I could survive that, I told myself. 
As soon as we broke through the window, everything seemed to move in slow motion. I could see the glass around me light up like fireflies as the sun had shone through them. I could feel Becca's tight grip around my waist and behind her, seven hands reaching out towards us. Just as though we were about to hit the sunlight, I could feel her grasp loosen around my waist. I screamed as loudly as I could, reaching for her and her reaching for me as I fell and she was dragged up through the window. A jolt went through my body. I could hear a loud crack as my head banged against the sidewalk. Immediately, my vision began to blur. I can feel a warm thickness of blood forming around my head. I looked up one last time at the attic window to see all eight of them staring down at me. I turned towards the sun and closed my eyes and everything went white. Literally, something was so bright that all I could see was white. It was as quickly as it was there and then it was gone. All I could see was a blur of figures moving around me and muffled noises of what seemed to be people talking. James, a familiar voice called. James, if you can hear me say something. I can hear you just fine, I muttered. A few people began to cry and my vision cleared. I could see people hugging each other and crying tears of joy. Where exactly was I? James, I can see you're confused, the voice started. I now recognize it as being Pat's father, which was weird because he worked in the hospital. I'm pretty sure there are no hospitals in heaven. James, you've been in a coma for a month now. How are you feeling? Wait. What? I spat in disbelief. How? Was it from my fall? I asked everyone. Everyone there just stared at me, mostly with grief and sorrowful expressions. James, there was no fall, Pat's father explained. A month ago, you were in a car accident. You were on your way to a friend's house after prom. On your way, a drunk driver was driving on the wrong side of the road and struck your limo head on. He paused. He let me sink in for just a moment what was just said. As he did so, he pulled photos of our wreckage out. What I saw completely shocked and horrified me. I stared at the pictures in complete shock. I could see it was equally as tough for Pat's father as well. The first photo was of Pat 
who had been flung from the vehicle and snapped his neck on impact. His body covered in cuts caused by flying through the windshield and sliding across the road. The next photo was of Dinah, who was flung from the car, but her head was crushed by the limo's rollover. The last photo was of Jade, who was impaled by what looked to be an exhaust pipe of the vehicle, and she was also covered in cuts by the glass. I stared at the last photo in disbelief. The photo matched the wounds that had killed each of his friends in the house almost perfectly. But that didn't explain what had happened to the rest of them. What happened to everybody else? I asked reluctantly. Well, after the car struck the limo, caused it to flip on its side and roll across the three lanes and yourself as the other three were tossed from the vehicle. Pat's father began. The vehicle rolled off the side of the bridge. We were all able to locate two bodies inside the limo which had fallen into the river. The other two remaining went missing in the river. So who were the ones found in the vehicle? I asked, having a good idea of who they were as they began to connect all the dots. Felix, and he hesitated for a moment, when he saw began to tear up. Becca. I stifled a sob and nodded that I was ready for the rest. He handed me a tablet with the video on the screen and began to play. This was recovered from the limo. It's footage from what happened inside the limo at the time of the accident. Everyone's eyes were on me as I played the video. As I watched, there was one part that hit me the hardest. As the limo was struck, I lunged straight for Becca, wrapping my arms around her, just as I did before jumping through the window. I watched as we bounced a few times before I went out the window, Becca's dress got caught on the glass and it dragged her back in. A few minutes later, the car jolted and tape went black. I asked everyone to leave me and give me a moment to take all this in. As everyone else left, I cried. It finally made sense. They say you hear things when you're in a coma. And all the weird things everyone had said started to make sense to me now. It wasn't my time. Becca calling me J-Bear. 
that was my mom talking to me. They also say that when you're in a coma, you can get stuck in between, which would also explain some of the comments they made about me making it through the night and me being already doing my best to protect Becca. It finally made sense. I took a deep breath to calm myself down. And once the tears stopped, I opened my mouth to call everyone to come back into the room. But I was cut off. I turned in horror as my phone alarm went off, signaling that it had been 10 minutes. I was in my own room, so that meant there was only one door in the entire room. I had to check. So I reached out, grabbed the curtains from around my bed, took a deep breath, and flung them open. Game over. Hey guys, Doctor's here. So I hope you did enjoy this tale. I know the ending was probably a little bit different than you were expecting, maybe. Also, I would like to apologize for the recorded quality. I did kind of run to a little bit of issues, but as I stated before, I am getting better. Anyhow, thank you, truly. I'm starting to see that my podcast is growing, the audience is coming in, and I do tend to get some comments, compliments mostly, but please, do share with me your thoughts and feedback, and let me know what I can do to make things better for you guys. Anyway, as I stated, thanks guys. Join me once again next week as we venture into the darkness.